Breaking down Wisconsin basketball. This is The Swing with Zach Heilprin and Jesse Temple on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into The Swing. I'm Zach Heilprin. He's the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Well, the Badgers got a win. Wasn't overly impressive, Jesse, if you'll say that. Look, Lehigh, uh, coming coming off two, three big games. They beat Marquette. They beat uh, Maryland. They beat Iowa. And then they had this one game before they get this stretch off. And it was uh, against a Lehigh team that had really, really struggled this year. But Wisconsin uh, played back and forth with them for the first half, maybe for the first few five minutes. And then Connor Asijin came to life with a couple of threes, and, and they were able to get it rolling and, and go on and, and get that blowout win that they had been missing for a while. But was there at any point in that game, Jesse, where you didn't think they were going to win? No, there was a certain point in the first half where I just thought, oh, uh, I think this team is still in the classroom taking finals or something. Um, <laughs> uh, but they erased it pretty quickly. And of course, having the magic of Connor Asijin hitting two threes in 30 seconds to give him the lead uh, certainly doesn't hurt. It certainly doesn't. And uh, coming up later in the show, we're going to be talking with uh, the Wisconsin State Journal's Jim Polzine. Uh, a really, really good conversation about him. We kind of get off on a tangent later in the uh, in the interview, talking about some of his favorite moments covering the beat. And then Jesse got some of his favorite moments covering the beat. So it was a very, very good conversation, a really interesting uh, conversation that we had with him. Um, so that'll be coming up here a little bit later in the show. But when you look at what Connor Asijin gives his team, and I don't, I mean, I don't know how often or how much more we can say about the guy. I, I, I don't want to go back to like Jonathan Taylor as a freshman or some of these guys as freshmen be like, you're going to run out of uh, superlatives to say about them and, and words and ways to describe them. But the, what he gives them is just so important because they don't necessarily have, have it from anybody else. It's just it's so confident every time the ball goes up that it's going in. Yeah, there was a graphic that flashed during the game that I, I thought illustrates obviously the value that he's providing of the freshmen since 2000 at Wisconsin that have averaged at least 10 plus points. Lando Tucker was first at 15.2 points. Devin Harris was second at 12. Ethan Happ was third at 10.7 and obviously Ethan redshirted. So he wasn't a true freshman and Connor's there at fourth and Brad was fifth at 10 points a game. Um, and he's doing it, not even starting. It just, it's, it's amazing what he's able to do. And, and, to give Wisconsin the instant offense changes the dynamic for this team, certainly gives the Badgers a lift off the bench. It's the confidence, too. I mean, even if he misses, he's got a short memory and he's going to shoot the next one. And I think you've talked about this in previous seasons. There's that guy on the, on the team every year that when they hoist a three, you can see everyone on the bench put their <laughs> arms up. You just assume it's going in. And, and with Connor, it feels like more often than not, it it does wind up going in. And, and obviously, he was a, a huge part of turning the tide against Lehigh and making it into what became a laugher. It's such a weapon. And it, it's not like he can get his own. Sh- correct me if I'm wrong. And don't hesitate to do it. I know you won't. <laughs> He's a guy that he can't get his own shot, right? I mean, he gets for open the, for the most because part. people he gets open because he is really smart about coming off screens and he yep. knows where to cut. So yep. it's not somebody that you give him the ball and you clear out and he's going to make something happen. And obviously he's only a true freshman and that's something he'll be able to develop. But yeah, I mean, it, it takes the entire team and you see a lot of those points come from excellent uh, passing and Wisconsin had a lot of success against Lehigh by getting the ball in the paint and then kicking it out and rotating. And so, yeah, that, that is how he gets a lot of his points and he doesn't need space. He doesn't need much space and he certainly doesn't need much time to get a shot off. Do you think teams will start to change how they defend Wisconsin when he's in the game? 
because we have seen him. It, not all these shots have been wide open. He's he's had to hit some shots with guys in his face, but wh- whether it's when when you double and there's there's or even if you're dig- if you have a guard digging down, like whatever it is, uh, it's it's allowing some other guys an opportunity uh, to get some open looks. Do you think that they that there will be a change as the season goes along? Yeah, I definitely do because I think we talked about this the previous episode as well. Just Big Ten play is so much different. The the physical nature, the grind, the the film study these guys have, the fact that a lot of opponents you're playing twice in the span of a month or two. He's the secret is out. <laughs> they know what he's capable of and how he can change a game. And I have to imagine that teams are going to strategize in a little bit different way and try to get into him more and be physical with him. Cause that's another area of growth for him. Like it is for, for most true freshmen is getting stronger and, and being able to play through contact. And I think teams are going to try to see what he's made of when we get into the heart of big 10 play. We talked about this uh, before we came on there. And then we also mentioned it with Jim, but I'm wondering for you, the last true freshman Wisconsin has counted on the way it counts on Connor Asiji. Because without Connor, look, without they're not a great scoring team. They they have guys who can score. Just, it's just not a consistent thing for them for the most part. Uh, they've been a better three-point shooting team than I thought they would be, though Connor is a big part of that. Can you think of a guy that they count on that has been counted on more than Connor Asiji? And I don't want to put Brad in there because he was kind of forced into it with injuries and kind of having to take that over when uh, when Demetric and um, Kobe King went down. He had to take on a little bit more of a bigger role than you would expect from a true freshman. But is there a guy? I mean, I I think he's got to be up there with, with everybody in this Bo, you know, Bo Ryan guard era. Yeah. Honestly, my, my initial answer was going to be Brad and it's not even about all the other injuries. He started, what was his own two, five, five or six games in. He did. He, he, he did. He made his first start uh, down in Kansas city. The second game, I believe um, of that, that tournament down there. I don't remember who it was again. It might have been UCLA that he started against. Um, yeah. And, and exactly mostly, positive. you know, when you work your way into the starting lineup, obviously you're playing substantial minutes and he wound up playing even more substantial minutes because of injuries. Um, but, you know, he was on the Big Ten all freshman team. He was the team's second leading scorer. Team wasn't he was, though. No, they weren't. Um, but, I mean, is that a qualifier? Uh, I think it does have still... to be a qualifier. No, I think it does have to be a qualifier. If your team sucks and that team sucked, Largely, I think, because of injuries, it may have been something different, but it, that was the first year after Nigel and Showalter and Vito Brown and, and Koenig left. And so it was going to be a, a change no matter what. But I mean, they weren't any good. And so I, when, I, when I think about oh, guys that you're counting on, I, I mean, guys you're counting on to be a good team. And without Connor, maybe their Wisconsin's record looks a little bit different than it does right now. And with without Brad, they still would have sucked. <laughs> All right. Well, I wasn't aware of that qualifier, but if that's the case, then obviously Brad's true freshman season is out. But you know, I mean, you, you know, you know why it's a short list. You know, you why you weren't aware of that? Why? Because I didn't tell you. No, because uh, I and because I just made it up. It's a short list, though. Um, obviously. Um, and I think you'd have to go back a long way because Hap doesn't count because he redshirted that as a yep. true freshman. So, I mean, Devin Harris, Lando Tucker, those guys played a ton. They were relied on a ton. Obviously, became. It's funny because they were those are like all American type guys, and there's a long way to go for Connor to get there. But that those those are the ones that that come to mind. I mean, Sam obviously was a sixth man, Sam Decker in his true freshman season, but Connor is scoring, uh, and and the the way he's counted on at a it's it's a higher clip. You know what's interesting is I uh, kind of forget about Nigel Hayes, mm-hmm. who he averaged 
mm, like 17 um, minutes a game as a true freshman, 7.7 points, uh, you know, nearly three rebounds a game and assist. He was actually a pretty big part of that, that 2013, 14 team. He wasn't counted on, I, I don't think the same way, but he was the first guy off the bench. Yeah. He was the big 10 six man of the year award winner. Yeah. So like he had like, I mean, I, is that a potential award for Connor this year? You think? Yeah. I mean, obviously I, I don't know that I've studied the other 13 no. teams at this point, but yeah, I, I, I have to imagine that's in play because of the impact that he has, the instant impact and the scoring that that stands out and, and how well he shoots the ball from all over. Yeah. He's been obviously very, very impressive. Um, some of the passes that he's been on the receiving end have come from Steven Crowell. Mm-hmm. Um, he leads the team in assists. Uh, he's over three, three assists per game. The only, the only big to average more per game in this, this Ryan guard era. Can you guess? Oh man. Is it Frank? No. Okay. I don't know. Ethan. Oh, Ethan half, half. Ethan half. Yeah. Ethan half. Yeah, because yeah. obviously he had, but he had the ball in his hands so much more than Steven yes. did. Um, especially, you know, a lot of up top, like even like you're, you're not seeing Steven dribbling up top very often. Um, that was, that certainly was a, a thing that we saw from, from Ethan quite a bit. What do you think makes Kral such an effective passer? And I mean, he's, he's closing in on the same number of assists he had all of last year. Yeah. I mean, some of it I think is natural instincts <laughs> and ability. Like there are certain things I don't know that you can be taught. And most big men, they're just turnover machines. And you look at their assist to turnover ratio and it's not even close and it's ugly. But obviously he's got the height so he can see over people, but there's just a natural touch and understanding of the game that if he gets doubled, he can find the open man and he makes smart decisions and he doesn't panic under pressure. And I think that's another thing too. Sometimes bigs, they're just not used to being in those kinds of situations. So those are those are the areas that stand out to me. They've had so many good guys, big guys that can pass, right? Like that, it's kind of a required trait uh, at Wisconsin. Greg Arb was asked about it last week, actually. And he said he had just uh, uh, gone up to Minneapolis the night before to to watch Nolan Winter. And they, he was talking about how he's got that same skill set of being able to pass, of being able to shoot, kind of just all the things that you're expecting out of a big man at Wisconsin. I don't know if, I, I guess Steven was not highly, highly recruited, but I think, and I'm not sure how much expectations were coming in, especially, I mean, he, he was not the, the big name in that recruiting class, right? Like it was, Ben Carlson was the, was the big name in that class and, and Johnny Davis, and even Lauren Bowman. And then there, and then there was Steven Crow. And I, I don't know how much was expected of him, but he, I think he's, do you think he's exceeded? what you could have expected from him to this point in his career? That's a tough question. Um, no, not necessarily. Uh, just the way things lined up, he was eventually, uh, I think, going to be a starter. I, I don't know. I think he's got a lot more to give, and I'm not sure if he's necessarily exceeded my expectations. He's kind of playing. This is the skill set that he always brought out of high school, and it's funny, as we've been having this conversation, I've been, I was looking up the story that I wrote about him coming out of high school um, and why he wanted to come here, and he, he talked about, Specifically, he talked about Hap and Kaminsky and and the way that they were able to develop. And that's why he wanted to go to a program where he could develop. And so he found the right fit, obviously. But I'm not sure if I would say that he's exceeded it, the expectations. Um, yeah. If that makes sense. No, it does. Do you think he's got more to grow? Like I, Yeah, I do. As, well, I really as, do. Good, as, as good as he's been passing the ball, he's a better shooter than what he's shown at this point, this season at least. Yeah, I mean, he's shooting... 26% on threes and 46% from the field. Um, but 
Yeah, I, I think if, if, you know, obviously they're off to a great start at nine and two, but if, if you were to identify the players that I think can play at a higher level to help get Wisconsin to uh, even further, I mean, he might be at the top of my list just because of his value to the team this year, especially considering the lack of depth in the front court. And I think what he is able to give, and, and I think there's a lot more for him to give. Um, the other part of that front court is, is Tyler Wallen. He's had a great season so far. I've gotten some questions about whether he could potentially return for another season. I, people are already looking towards next year just because <laughs> of uh, how young this team is. And uh, you would think most of them could be back or would be back. Tyler, obviously the big, the big question mark. Is there, I mean, is there a chance he talked uh, when we talked to him last week, he was asked about the waving goodbye to Iowa. And he said, you know, it's, that's, that's kind of out of character for me. It's not something I want to do, but it might be my last time there. Um, he didn't say it would be his last time there. I don't think he's decided one way or the other. Do you think he would come back for another year? Again, I know it's December 19th. <laughs> this, is where, this is way down the line, but um, people have been asking. Well, it's obviously not a decision that's going to be made for a few months here, but I think he is the type of player that would be a prime candidate, much like Brad Davison, because... These are guys that are not going to be NBA players, right? They're, they're college standouts, can have success in Europe, but it's kind of like obviously up to him whether he'd want to come back, but I, I think it's certainly a possibility. And I don't, I don't know what his thought process is on how much he believes he could benefit from another year being the leader, um, <laughs> but you're not going to be a worse player, I don't think. A lot of it comes down too, to just life circumstances. Do you really want to be in college for another year? My answer would probably be yes. Those were an awesome four years. Uh, but sometimes people want to move on and, and start their life. And But I think he would be certainly a candidate to do so and take advantage of that extra year just because of his basketball future isn't the NBA. And if it's not, why not enjoy it for another year in college? Does he think his future is not NBA? Um. And like, what's that conversation know. like, you know, like, I mean, am I wrong? Do you think his basketball future is, I don't, but <laughs> you know, that's not, I don't, but that's not, again, I'm not the one making the decision. I think that there are a lot of, and Tyler, I'm not saying is like this, but there are a lot of unrealistic college players in this country, both football and basketball, like guys transferring out of Wisconsin and ending up in division, you know, I need to get, go get paid. And they end up at division two school. Like, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of unrealistic guys and I don't, I don't, I feel like Tyler probably has a good enough head on his shoulders and people around him to make it clear that that's not the case. But again, telling a guy, yeah, your future's not really in the NBA. is not an easy conversation always to have. I don't think. Yeah. I don't know. I think it comes down to whether you can be realistic about yourself. And sometimes yeah. that is hard to do. Um, and sometimes you get bad advice, but I don't think he's the type to necessarily be getting bad advice. I think either way, you know, if you're a Badgers fan, enjoy what he has to offer. He's the leading scorer, he's the leading rebounder. He does so many different things, and and he can help this team do some really good things here in the next few months and into the NCAA tournament potentially. He definitely can. Again, I, I'm just saying that there are a lot of very. I mean, you don't get to this level, divisional level, without having confidence. I, mm-hmm. Like, unless you're just just straight out the most physically gifted person ever, and and somehow you're lacking confidence, which usually doesn't go hand in hand um if you're as physically gifted as anybody usually their confidence comes along with it um i'm just saying that there are some guys that are just very very unrealistic about what their futures are and i i'm not saying tyler's like that i'm just saying that there are guys like that in college there's a lot of guys like that in college probably more so 
on the football side of things than um than than the basketball side of things. But who knows? You just don't know. You don't know. I was looking at the net rankings this morning. Wisconsin is currently 44th. They dropped from 43rd. They, uh, I feel like that Wake Forest loss, I, again, I don't, I am not into the math. We will get our, our buddy, uh, Mark Torvik on at some point later this year. I don't think that loss to Wake Forest is, is dragging them down, but it is a quad three loss at this point, especially the way that Wake is playing. So they're sitting at 44th. That's ninth among Big Ten teams. Do you look that as, do you look at that as like a, a bad thing or do you look at it as an opportunity to go get all those big wins that are, uh, you know, from teams that are above you and including, uh, including the two teams that you've already beaten in Maryland and Iowa, both ahead of them in the, in the net rankings. I don't think it's a big deal at all because there's so much season left and there are so many good big 10 teams that it, it'll sort itself out. And I mean, you just laid it out. There's eight big 10 teams that are, more highly rated in the net rankings at this point, and they're going to get to play all of them and have already played some of them. I mean, Purdue's number one in the country right now in the AP poll, and they're they're third in the in these net rankings. But Wisconsin's just got to take care of its own business, and it, it'll sort itself out. So it's, I don't know. It's fun to project and all that and look at the bracketologies in December, but it just does not matter at all in my mind. All right, so I'm going to put then uh, all right, putting you on the spot. You you say it's fun to look at the bracketologies. Where you, what, what seed you got Wisconsin in the NCAA tournament considering selection Sunday now less less than Jesse, less than 3 months away. Oh my god. I'm going to tell you I haven't spent one single second thinking <laughs> about this because it does not matter. But let's go with um 5 or 6 seed. How about that? 5 or a 6. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Well, if um, they finish in the top 6 or so in the Big 10, um I don't know. I mean, that's a 21 team right there. It's it's just I don't know. It depends how it depends on so much, but that's that's where I'm going to go with right now on December 19th. All right. Well, uh, bold, bold. Is it that uh, bold? They're a top 25 team right now. I mean, if you're Joe, a six seed, that's what top. Yes, top it's, I shouldn't say. I, I even say, I shouldn't say bold. I shouldn't say bold. Higher than than what some of the bracketologists have. Not by right, where does he have them? Not by much. Uh, he just moved him up to a seven seed. There you go. Uh, Joe Lenardi has him as a seven seed, playing in Birmingham uh, against TCU. Well, did you book your flight late? F- flight yet? Uh, non-refundable. <laughs> uh, I've booked flights to Sacramento, Denver, <laughs> Orlando, Columbus, Birmingham, and uh, not to Des Moines. I can I can drive to Des Moines uh, and and Greensboro. Those are those are where I've booked flights for, and as, as well as Albany. So I'm I'm all good to go. Come March, and uh, we'll see if Wisconsin's playing in, at any of those venues. Um, all right, let's get into our interview with Jim Polzine. The really good conversation that kind of went off—I don't want to say off the tracks—onto a nice, comfortable path at the end uh, to talk about some of the stories from his time on the beat. So here he is, Jim Polzine for the Wisconsin State Journal. And we do welcome in the columnist for the Wisconsin State Journal, Jim Polzine. You can read all his stuff up on madison.com. If you haven't already gotten that uh, Badger Extra subscription, you definitely need to do that. It's worth it. All the work they're doing in football and basketball and pretty much everything in between. Jim, thanks a lot for joining us. Hey, my pleasure, guys. Always good to talk to you. It is your yearly appearance on the swing. Uh, We've been doing this. Jesse, what is this, year six? I think it is, yeah. And I think Jim may be our most frequent guest, so we appreciate that as as always, uh, Wisconsin only had one game since the last time we talked. It was Lehigh um, 
last Thursday night. Wasn't a pretty game by any stretch, especially uh, the first half and, and into the second half. But they are 9-2, and two, Jim. And obviously a lot of people picked them to finish lower in the Big Ten. That was a whole story last year, and it's obviously been a story so far this year. But have you been surprised at their uh, their fast start here to the season? By the way, it wasn't pretty or whatever, however you describe that. It's <laughs> kind of like an evergreen comment with this yes. team, right? Um, am I surprised? Sort of. I, I I think I was higher on them than most people. Like I thought they'd be a top six Big Ten team and still think they'll be kind of somewhere in that fifth or sixth range. Um, so not all that surprised, I guess, but it's it does kind of – it's crazy that you can just – keep playing close games night after night after night and ending up on top of them more often than not. Um, I don't know if that's sustainable. We'll see, I guess it was last year to some until degree. It wasn't, <laughs> it was until it wasn't right. Yeah. Yeah. We've talked a lot about Connor's season on the show, rightfully. So uh, I think I may be developing a man crush on him just because I like <laughs> dudes who can make shots from 35 feet away. It seems like, um, did you anticipate that he would have the impact that he's having at this stage? No, not at all. I mean, I, I remember getting questions in the mailbag over the summer about rotations. And um, I just, you know, after watching this program for so many years, it's really hard for freshmen to get in the rotation and get consistent playing time, mainly because defensively they have to earn their stripes. And I still think he's working on that, but he's, he's almost impossible to keep off the floor because he adds that shooting that they desperately need and that offense they desperately need. So I think, you know, I think Greg guards being tested to some degree on how much do I, um, you know, live with the defensive mistakes because even the Lehigh game, if you watch the season, there were some defensive breakdowns on his part. Um, but again, like he comes out and makes some pretty big three pointers in the second half. And you, you need that. This team needs that with, with, with the bench being somewhat limited, um, you absolutely need something from him. So he's far surpassed my expectations. I think when I talked about in the previous answer about what's sustainable, that's one of my bigger question marks is the calendar flips here is, can he keep doing this? Does he hit a freshman wall? Do defensive, do big 10 defenses figure him out to some degree and, and limit what he can do? Um, I think that's going to be one of the storylines heading down the stretch run of the season. There have been some people pushing, and by some people, I mean some people I uh, work with at the radio station, uh, pushing for Connor Asesian to start this season. Do you ever see that happening? Um, what do you step in for? It'd be Jordan Davis. But I think Jordan, what Jordan offers outside of you know some of the times that he's able to hit shots uh, is kind of what they need. But you tell me, do you think he starts at any point this year outside of injury? Yeah, I don't know. I look at this completely differently, I think, than a lot of people do. I like... I like a guy that can come off the bench and give you something when you need yep. it. And that's what he's doing. So I think there's tremendous value in what he's doing. And I've also never been one start versus non-start. Like he's, he's playing, you know, like those last, you look at his minutes, the last five games is 20, 32, 22, 22, 23. Now I think those numbers could go up that the low 20 minutes, he could be playing 25 to 26, 27. Um, but I don't think he has to start to do that. And I, I think, you know, Jordan Davis's shooting numbers aside, I do think he adds value in terms of defense, um, physicality, toughness, knowing what he's doing defensively in terms of help defense and stuff. I, so I, I think there's, 
there's value for him. And then, you know, Asijan's not really a three. Jordan Davis is more of a three than Asijan or Klesmet. So it really becomes an Asijan versus Klesmet debate to some degree. And Klesmet's proved almost, um, at least if you look at his numbers, he might be the most valuable player in Greg Gard's eyes because he just doesn't want to take him off the court because of all the little things he does. So I like that little three-man mix. I don't know that there has to be a, a season in the starting lineup moment. Um, frankly, if he's comfortable coming off the bench, because not a lot of guys are, or not all guys are. Some guys don't like coming off the bench. Um, he seems to be just fine in that role, and I would not mess with it. Just as a follow-up to that, we, we were talking about this before you came on. Um, who's the last true freshman Wisconsin's counted on the way it counts on Connor Asijan. And it's not just like points because he's he's up there with Brad and, and Devin and, and Orlando and in and, and scoring, but Brad was kind of forced into that. If he had, you know, if those guys had been healthy, maybe he doesn't play as big of a role as his freshman year. But is there a guy that sticks out in your mind that they count on? Because those two threes that you mentioned that Connor hit in the second half, it gave him the lead and it was just enormous. I mean, they were, I don't want to say they were in trouble, but it was it's a five point deficit against a team that isn't very good in Lehigh and he comes in and he hits those two threes and it completely changed the game. Yeah. I mean, the first guy to jump in my mind was Sam and Sam, I don't think had this type of these type of moments necessarily, but that he played on a team that desperately needed offense. And um, I remember that whole season was like, Oh, Sam Decker needs to play more. And you yeah. know, Sam Decker should be starting. Um so I don't remember what, like, I want to say he averaged like nine points a game as a true freshman. And and that team, as tough time as it had scoring, needed every one of those nine points. So I guess that's my initial um, thought is Sam. But I don't know. It's, you're right. I mean, like, I just think he's hitting shots at times they, they need it the most. And that's, you know, that's so rare for a freshman. And, um, and, and why I think this team is... Um, maybe a little bit better than most people thought because he's giving them something that I don't know that we all thought he'd give them this early. What player in the non-Connor Asijan category has stood out most to you to this point in the season? What do you mean by that? Just the, anybody like, other than Connor Asijan? Yeah, maybe exceeded your expectations or somebody who's, I mean, I don't know. Like we knew Tyler was going to have a, a big season, probably be the leading scorer. Um but I, I don't know if there's anybody else that you think has kind of exceeded what you thought they might be this season. Yeah, maybe Klesmet, and not from a number standpoint, but again, I don't know that I had him playing um, this much. I, I thought he'd start, like at some point when I was trying to figure out starting five in June, which was very difficult, I think he was my default selection at the two spot. Um, and then as the more I heard about him as the summer went on, I thought, oh yeah, he's definitely the starting two you know, I, how much is he going to play? I don't know. But again, like you look at his numbers, he's playing, I mean, he played 43 minutes against Kansas and, and he's, I think he's got almost probably more games than not that he's playing 30 plus minutes. So it just, he's, he's giving Greg guard something and in, in a lot of areas that I don't know that I necessarily thought um, he'd give them. Although I talked to someone, um, I can't remember. I think it was when the story I did on him and, um, and Kamari McGee, just about the jump from mid-majors to high majors and how you never really know and it's how, how it's hard to project. And I talked to someone who knows Klesmet, and he called him a competitive prick. I don't know if we can say that on the swing, but um, and he meant it in a great, you know, in a great way. Like he's just going to go out there and 
be a little bit of Brad Davis in that regard. And, and so I think that's why, that's why he's instantly had Greg Gard fall in love with him because he's just doing all that little grinding stuff and getting on the opponent's nerves and then making shots once in a while and, you know, being smart with the basketball. So he's probably the guy that I think is playing more, but in terms of pure numbers, um, it's a sheet, it's a season. And then I don't know that anybody else's numbers really stunned me. I think the great, like you mentioned wall. I think the crazy thing about this is I still think wall can be better and more efficient. And I think Hepburn, although we've seen Hepburn kind of take off, um, I don't know that we've seen, I think he's going to continue to rise. And I, I think there's a jump left in Stephen Crowell too. So I don't think this team's done growing this season. And, and that's maybe the, that's, that's maybe the most optimistic thing about this team's start is that there's more to come probably. That brings me to this. I could have gone a couple different ways, but you mentioning them getting better. The comparisons to last year's team, um, because there are similarities in the fact that they are, have won a bunch of close games. I mean, the last year's team was 18 and two in the regular season in those single digit games. And this one's five and two. Um, their margin for error last year was pretty small. It's pretty small this year. Do you think they have a higher, lower ceiling than than last year's group? And because um, we've t- we talked about this last week, just with Johnny having a Johnny Davis be able to take over games, and they don't necessarily have that right now. Do you think their ceiling is is higher or lower than last year? Yes, yeah, so my first inclination is to say lower because of what you just said. Like Johnny could put on his cape at any moment, and you know, score 37 points at Purdue. And that's why I thought, I thought going to the tournament last year that, that, you know, this is a team that could go maybe definitely the second weekend, maybe as far as the elite eight, because I thought, is there a Johnny moment or two left in this team? And and can he kind of carry them um, further along in the tournament? And it just, it didn't happen for obvious reasons, but I don't know that this team has that, but I guess the flip side to that, the counter to that is that they're not so reliant on one player and you can get um, more balance and you can get, you know, 20 points from Tyler in one night or 20 points from Chucky. And maybe Steven Crowell's got some big moments left in him. Um, so maybe, maybe I'm torn on this question because I, I, I do think there's that balance is a good thing. Um, I just think you look at this team and they just have such a hard time winning. <laughs> um, no matter who the opponent is, yeah. that I wonder if it's sustainable. Like I looked at Ken Palm today after the Minnesota game to start the to restart the Big Ten season. Like the next sixteen games leading into the fin- the finale against Minnesota are all projected to be one or two possession games. I mean that's just an incredible grind night in and night out. And I mean, let's say they are all close. Do you go ten and six and ten and six would be an incredible record in the big ten in in sixteen close games over two months, right? Yeah. So I think more like eight eight, eight and eight or nine and seven is more likely. And then so then it, it becomes a matter of what are you seated in the NCAA tournament and and who do you match up against? And I don't know. My my feeling as we sit here on December nineteenth is that they're probably a first weekend NCAA tournament team still. I think it's natural to look at what the potential areas of weakness for this team could be down the road, even though they've played really well or in the top 25 and we've gotten a lot of questions about Carter Gilmore and the minutes that he was playing and he was coming off the best week of his career obviously but <laughs> what are your impressions of kind of where Wisconsin is at with his front court if something happens with foul trouble or injury with Stephen Crowell and I suppose big picture wise what do you think I mean is that an indictment on 
kind of how Greg Gard put this roster together or just overall impressions of kind of where they're at depth wise at a, a pretty important, I think, position to need, especially in the Big Ten. Yeah, I and mean, that's that's my biggest thing with this team is um, just what can you count on from the bench besides a season? And and like you said, God forbid something happens to Wall or Crawl or even Hepburn, um, that would just throw this team into a world of hurt because I just don't think they have the the next man up that could make up for that loss to one of their big three. Um, and even even if a Klesman would get injured or you know or or a season or even Jordan Davis, like they're just so thin right now. Um, in terms of what what they have coming off the bench that I just don't know how they could survive it. So that's if I had two questions going this season, it's it was depth, especially at the five spot, and then three point shooting. And they've answered the three point shooting one. Um, so yeah, depth re- remains the number one. I I don't know if it's an indictment on guard to some degree. Like I, I've I've had a lot of people say, well, they should have just gotten anybody, any any five guy in the transfer portal. Um, to throw in there and give you minutes. Well, I disagree with that. Number one, um, you can't just throw anybody in there, and you're not just going to fill a spot to fill a spot. I mean, it, it's got to be a guy you can count on. And, and I don't think they thought anybody was better than Chris Hodges or would or would be a surefire fit. Now they did go after some guys, but those guys knew they'd be walking into a backup role of of Chris Vogt, right? Like ten minutes, ten to fifteen a game, and transfers for the most part don't want to walk into that that type of role. Chris Volk was a, was rare in that regard. I mean, he was, he was the exception, not the rule willing to kind of come here and do whatever he could. So it would have been great if they had found another Chris Volk, but they didn't. And, and I think maybe people thought Chris Hodges would be a little bit further along at this point or hoped he would be further along. And he's just, he's not. So I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not ready to rule out guys like Marcus Ilver either. Like this, this winter, stretch where they're getting to work on you know non-game specific stuff um in the past has sometimes worked out for guys where you just kind of find something and and something clicks um so maybe a, an ilver or a hodges uh becomes a guy you can count on more regularly than than you do right now all right uh i got one final one for you um jim it's uh the badgers breaking out their black uniforms this friday for grambling states uh are we fans of those black uniforms Okay, I'm fans of the concept of them and <laughs> and the and like black uniforms in general. I'm fans of. I'm not a yeah. huge fan of these actual ones, but okay, I, the pick like. But I also want to see them in person. I think if you see them in person, it might change dramatically my view of them. Um, but I love the idea. I love that they're doing it. Uh, I like them mixing up stuff. I hope we've kind of donned a new era of UW sports where we can see some different uniform types and different colors and different combinations in, in all sports. So I think that would be kind of cool. Uh, and I hope they do that more often. I have another random question. Oh, sorry. You. My bad. Love random <laughs> questions. Yeah. And I love putting you on the spot on these with the absolutely no time to think about it. You were on the beat for 10 years, right? Yep. Do you have a favorite story you've never told from your time covering the beat? Or maybe one you've told, but not a lot of people know. Oh man, that is putting me on the spot. <laughs> um, man, I'm trying to think if there's anything that jumps to the top of my head. Um, there's so many little ones that are uh, that I think are funny but are dumb. Um, <laughs> we still no, nothing. Stupid. No, nothing comes up. I mean, I don't know. Like, 
I always think of this one. This is stupid, but this is Frank Kaminsky in a nutshell. How he would just, and you probably, you guys probably dealt with this at some point. He would just wait you out. Like he didn't love doing interviews, and he would just kind of make you wait. And I think with the hope that you would just go home. <laughs> and so one day, Patricus and I just, you know, two losers who had nothing better to do, just waited him out. <laughs> and and so he finally showed up. He didn't, you know, didn't skip out. It ended up being a great interview because once you got Frank talking, it was great. But like that was kind of Frank in a nutshell is just, you know, it would test your patience a little bit and and kind of just, you know, make you wait and wait and wait. And then, boom, he shows up and it's a great interview. But that's one that comes to mind. I'm sure there's a million that I just haven't. I told somebody a really good story the other day. and I don't think it was basketball related, um, but it was like one of those like, oh, yeah, like, I guess I know this story, but I haven't really shared it. So. My favorite yeah. Frank story was, oh, sorry, Zach. No, uh, go ahead. My favorite Frank story was, you probably remember this. There was a Big Ten Media Days, and it was it was going into his senior year, so I think he was the Big Ten preseason player of the year. And there's they had those tables, those circular tables, and there were like 20 media members sitting around waiting to talk to the guy who's going to be the best player in the country. And he saw everyone, and he veered off into a corner and just like leaned up against a wall and was complaining about how he talks to us enough already. Yeah. And because there was just one chair there, obviously for him. And then he finally got around to, to sitting down. And much like you said, then he's just a fantastic interview. Obviously, a, 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 an interesting guy to cover, but probably one of the most fun, too. I just thought of a story, too. Uh, this is a Sam story. And I think I've probably shared it on social media at some point. But, you know, back in the days where you could watch practice, um, they were practicing and Bo was grumpy about something. And Sam went over and grabbed Bo's um, whiteboard and was drawing out a play or, or drawing out something to explain to Bo maybe why he screwed up. I don't remember the exact context, but the look on Bo's face as Sam was doing this was priceless. Like Bo had, you like we've all had, we've all been on the receiving end of one of those looks from Bo when you ask a question he doesn't like, and that's exactly what <laughs> that that day. Like I remember sitting in the stands and just because it was Sam. Like part of it was just Sam. You know, Sam was goofy that way, and Sam was just trying to be helpful. Um, but Bo wasn't having any of it, and it was that was one of my favorite Sam Bo interactions. I remember with Frank. I don't know why the, I don't know why they were there, but like, there were wrestling mats laid out in the Johnson or the Nicholas Johnson Pavilion, like where they were practicing. And after the after practice, going for interviews, he just jumped up on top of them and laid down, and that's where he did his interview with uh, where I talked to him, just like me, Mike up towards like having to reach up about three feet to try and get his mouth. Cause he had jumped up on top of these wrestling mats that were just sitting there and he was just laying down and that's how he did the interview. So he's, he, he's a different dude. He's very different much dude. on brand. I just thought of yeah. another one. See, now you got me rolling. I'll just, this is good. We're just trying to buy time. Yeah. I'm just spend the next two hours telling stories. Uh, and this one came up recently because I switched phones. I got a new phone. And so, I had a bunch, I like, I didn't have enough memory on my old phone. So I was trying to look back through videos and trying to decide what to delete. Um, and there was, when the Badgers played in Cancun, would have been 13, 14 season, I believe, when, when Nigel was a freshman. Um, I went down there, took my wife. And like during the day, this is a game day, like as they all were, I think it was a two-day tournament. Um, this is a game day. So like, you know, when Nigel should have been resting probably. He's out by the pool with, I think, Riley Deering. And they had this, they had these like plastic 
big plastic balls that you could go inside of and walk inside of and move across the water. Yep. And, but you had to work really hard to do it right. And so Nigel is inside of this plastic bubble um, walking around as like UW fans and stuff, watch him. And it was pretty hilarious. But then part of me is like, Oh my gosh, if Bo saw this going on right now, he would be so angry at Nigel expending <laughs> energy on a game day, just messing around. So that was another one. Nigel, uh, during one of the NCAA tournaments, uh, I think yeah. it was the one in it was 20, I think it was 14. Omaha. He, I know he, where this uh, is going. Yeah. What? I, I, he hit it behind a blackboard. Oh, uh, so you guys, maybe you guys can tell me what you guys were thinking, but I just remember walking in the locker room and he was hiding behind a blackboard so that he didn't have to, the like the whiteboard, so he didn't have to talk. But you guys clearly know something I don't. So Is Jesse, it, oh, I was thinking we were working in a, yes. Yeah. We were working oh, in the media room and Wisconsin's plane got delayed or something. So Nigel just comes floating oh, yes. in the media room Yes, and I'm on dead. Like I'm on a pretty bad deadline. <laughs> and I just remember Nigel sitting at the table with us. So part of me is part of me was annoyed. Um, and and then part of me was also kind of annoyed because I'm like, I think Jesse's going to get a really good lead out of this. Um, <laughs> so I don't remember, Jesse, did you end up writing? I don't remember if, if Nigel ended up making it into your story. Uh, I'm like, you know, like there's nothing I can do right now to get Nigel in my game story that I'm filing late on a Sunday night or whatever. Yeah. So that was after, if I'm not mistaken, was it the second round was game? The, Oregon the game. first round. Yeah. yeah. It was the second. I think it was, yeah. Because the, the first round was the stenographer thing yes um yeah i think he sat down next to me and i had i didn't have the deadline problems that jim had not working for a newspaper um but i remember thinking like this is strange uh and also hilarious that this guy would even care about the fact that we're here and i mean obviously he didn't want to like i i don't know i've never seen that before and i'll probably never see that again but i did not write about it in my story um, I think I just use up all my this team is ridiculously goofy with the whole stenographer thing after the the first round game. But um, yeah, that was Nigel, man. I mean, I that's why say, that team was so fun. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that team was really good, but but they were fun and they didn't take anything seriously. They didn't take themselves seriously. That was the best part about that team. I was going to say this about Nigel. Like, I know there are mixed feelings about Nigel in the fan base. Um, and I didn't love the way things and did his senior year necessarily. But when people ask me who my favorite athletes to cover over this 20 plus years in the business, Nigel absolutely makes my top five because I just really? think he was, yeah, he, he just, um, just, it was never a dull moment. He was intelligent. He was willing to share. I think he was willing to look inside and see what you're trying to do in, in terms of job. Like I remember, like I went and sat with him for a day in class and I, and, and he was asking questions about the way I do my job. And I, I'm that, that, that always stands out to me as being like, cool. Like when they, when that, when they actually care about how you're doing your job and why you do things the way you do and why you ask the questions. Um, I think that that told me a lot about Nigel. And so, yeah, he's, he, um, he's definitely my top five of people that I've covered. Since we're so far down the rabbit hole and well past the time, who else is in your top five? <laughs> Hmm. Sexual Walter, I had a soft spot for I think like he just I told oh I, I did tell this story the other day um I don't remember what it was I don't remember who I was talking to but and you guys were probably there that night too the night they lost to Florida so so Showalter's last game and you know memorable because he does the championship belt thing and then they lose on a on a buzzer beater um and that was a horrible deadline it was after midnight eastern time I think or even maybe after midnight central time 
Um, so I stroll in the, I get in the locker room late and it's cramped in there. If you guys remember, it was a terrible locker room and people are around Showalter and I, you know, I kind of peek my head in and put my tape recorder towards his face and he stops mid sentence to shake my hand and tell me he appreciates me. Um, and I think he, I wasn't the only one he did that to. And I was like, wow, like that's another one that's like stands out to you. Like you're at, this is a heartbreaking moment for you. Heartbreaking night. Your career's over. The way you lost is just awful. Um, and you have, you know, the level of respect and just kindness to reach out and say, thank you for, you know, a relationship you've had. So that's, I think Showalter is in my top five. I just, his story too, from preferred walk on like those, those stories are always kind of fun to tell. So those two, um, I don't know. There's so many. I I feel like I'm going to leave someone out. Aaron Henry. If we go to football, Aaron Henry was one of the first real like, wow, this kid's got a unique story to tell. And um, so different. Like, you know, I'm from small town, Wisconsin. Aaron Henry was from a kind of poor area in Immokalee, Florida, and um, always would call you sir. And just in terms of mutual respect like that, he's a guy that always stuck with me. So. There's three for you. I could probably name about 20 more and don't know who would put my top five. Jesse, do That's... you have a favorite? Oh, man. That's really hard. I mean, on the basketball front, like, obviously, I haven't covered the daily beat on in basketball since the uh, national title team, which I think was probably a good way to go out. I mean, yeah. Sam, I would put Sam at the top for, from a basketball standpoint just because of how enjoyable he was. And, and he got our job, too, and he was mm-hmm. goofy, and he was willing to basically answer whatever we asked him, and it didn't matter. I mean, he was the one who called out the entire team in the 13-14 yes. season late in the year. I think, was it what was it, a five-game losing streak? They lost five out of six. He basically after called the, the team game. soft. Yeah. He called the team soft. It was just like, is this real? <laughs> um, do, well, do you remember that? We... <laughs> I think we waited there for like an hour, an hour and a half. Yeah. Like it, it was a long time. It was a long film session, obviously. And when he came out, he, he did that. Um, Cause they, they were horribly, they were horrible defensively. Like they, against up in Minnesota, the point paints that they allowed, it was just insane. So yeah, but he was, he yeah, was that great. became a whole thing too. I mean, that's, did. you talk about your readers and listeners and what, like the, the inside journalism stuff that, that became a whole thing. Cause Bo was not happy about it. And I think Sam kind of, that was probably a moment where Sam pulled back a little bit in terms of, Oh, I can't just say anything I want. And yeah. So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd probably need more time. Um, yeah. Most of them are probably football just because yeah. that's what I've been doing for 11, 12 straight years. But I think we've, I, the overarching point, I think we've been really fortunate to cover a lot of really good people and, and people who understand our jobs and are willing to open up and I mean, kind of everything you'd want to do in this job. Yeah, I kind of say that when I like when I'm asked to speak to groups, I, I try to make a point of that. Like, hey, we are so incredibly fortunate that that Wisconsin brings for the most part. I mean, like upwards probably of 95 percent of the of the student athletes they bring in are um, smart, respectful, uh, willing to help, uh, insightful in so many ways. So, I yeah, I, I listen to other reporters that who cover different colleges and just in terms of access and and some of the type of people they deal with. And it's just it's it's night and day. So I I count my blessings all the time that we, that I ended up covering this athletic department. 
All right, there he is. Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal, the columnist. Uh, again, as I said before, you can read all his work, madison.com, buy a paper if you'd like, uh, but also uh, grab that Badger Extra subscription. Jim, thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Always fun. All right, that was Jim Polzine from the Wisconsin State Journal. Certainly appreciate his time, as always. The Badgers, uh, Jesse, I don't think I got... One of the last, the last question that I asked was about the uniforms. Do you like the black uniforms? I feel like we talked about this on the camp earlier uh, this year and kind of hoping that the football team may have be breaking out black uniforms at some point, which I think is now certainly a possibility with Luke Fickle uh, heading things <laughs> up. But where do you, do you think, uh, do you think those are, are good looks for Wisconsin? Uh, the basketball I'm here, team? I'm, I'm here for it. I think they've gotten what people have said. They have some Maryland vibes, perhaps. Um, well, it's anything new, so obviously. Anything new is 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 good for me. I think. What do they do? They they have the the red lines. They the stripes. Use I think they're gold. Spell out the words. Gold stripes. I believe is what I believe they're gold. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm well, here for no. it, man. Let's let's do something different. They've had they've had some cool uniform combinations over the years, and I was a big fan of the Black History Month uniforms they wore. In gosh, what season was that? 2016, maybe 2017. Yes. All red the, with the, the throwback. Where they the rolled the Bucky logo. Where they wore them for the entire month of February because they were both home and away. Um, they, the red ones. They were beautiful. They, they were, were beautiful. tremendous. Those are the those best. Might ones be my favorite. Far. Yeah, those those, those might are best be my by favorite. Far. Best by far, especially because of the the shorts. The shorts were the best. Oh with yeah. The old the old. Didn't you get a pair? Yes, and. uh I wasn't covering the team and haven't really covered the team since. So I, 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 I well, put it in my head to say that it would be okay to get some rock, some sweet shorts. Well, it's not even, I mean, it's, it's a style. It's a fashion. It's not so much the team. It's just a really good looking pair of shorts with the, uh, the old school Bucky on. It. Um, I'm anytime you put old school Bucky on anything. I am, uh, I'm a huge fan. I'm Only huge downside, fan. no pockets. I mean, I, I get their throwback shorts. You know, sometimes you have to adapt to the times. Where am I supposed to put my cell phone and keys if there's no pockets in the shorts? Uh, that's a good point. Very good point. All right. Wisconsin will take on Grandley State this Friday. We'll be back next week. Yeah, we you can be, read. I was going to say we're going to be we're going to be in Phoenix. So we may may have to push uh, the camp back or excuse me, the swing back a little bit because uh, we'll be in Phoenix for the bowl game next next week but be sure there will be an episode next week uh jesse thank you very much thanks all right there is jesse temple from the athletic you've been listening to the swing